Hey, the Vikings have finally won a game. What does that mean for the bigger picture? Let's talk about it. Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is Nick Miller with Climbing the Pocket and Vikings Happy Hour. Uh, Welcoming you to another Purple Process episode where we're going to take a big picture look at the uh, Minnesota Vikings and what exactly do the twists and turns of the NFL season mean for them as we head uh, into the future and trying to determine how can this team actually get on a path uh, to win a Super Bowl. So, uh, it's a good feeling to win a, a football game heading into uh, the game against the Carolina Panthers, you know, it's sitting at 0 and three and looking at that Panthers roster, really thinking about, you know, what does it say about this football team? If you're actually going to drop one uh, to Carolina, um, it was great to see, you know, Adam Thielen out in the field uh, having a pretty good game. It was fun to see uh, Bryce Young, um, you know, perform and uh, he's probably got some growing room um, uh, on that relative to maybe some of the other first round uh, quarterbacks and CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, who seem to be a little bit further along in the process, uh, which worked towards the advantage of the Vikings this past Sunday, especially giving Brian Flores an opportunity uh, to confuse uh, the young quarterback and show him some different looks than maybe he saw in college or so far in the NFL. But the Vikings have a win in the column uh, to now they're sitting at one and three. And I just like to take a second to think about, um, you know, what exactly would that have meant uh, if the Vikings, you know, would have fell to 0 and four. Uh, I know we were talking, uh, or at least the broader Vikings community was talking last week about, you know, all the different statistics about, you know, now that you're 0 and three, how many teams make the, make the, uh, playoffs, but now, and if you're one oh and four, you know, has that ever happened? I think maybe one time uh, with the Houston Texans, but uh, it's good to know that we don't have to really dive into those statistics this week. But if you were uh, Vikings GM Kwesi Adolfo Mensa sitting at TCO Performance Center, uh, I bet you're really uh, sitting there, um, you know, thinking, okay, am I about to be, you know, one game away from all these conversations following me about? you know, trading, you know, Kirk Cousins or, you know, trading to Neil Hunter or what exactly you do. And, you know, is uh, Justin Jefferson frustrated with being on the team? And so at least for another week, all those decisions and big talkers are, are put to a side. Uh, that doesn't mean that here in Purple Process, we can't dive into that a little bit, but um, it's good to know uh, that after following the win, the Vikings can actually focus on their next opponent. Um, and as we're sitting here and kind of looking at where things stand with the Vikings, uh, there was some uh, very interesting uh, data and, and and stuff that came out of this week about where the Vikings sit, uh, sitting through the first four weeks of the season. And what does this team really stand relative to the NFL? Because uh, if you look at a lot of the advanced metrics, and I'm someone who really believes in, in uh you know, pro football focus and looking at the numbers, look at the data analytics. You know, I watch every single game. I watch every single play and I have my own eye test. But I really want to know, you know, what, you know, are our players having success and where they fit in? And uh, speaking of which, uh, shout out to um, uh, our 
Matthew Collar, uh, Purple Insider. Uh, he has a book release today. Uh, it's football numbers game. Uh, go check it out. Um, it's a great look at the behind the scenes of PFF and how it became so influential the game. As someone that's a, a big fan of PFF, I'm sure it's a great read. So um, please go check out uh, that book and support Matthew. Um, but moving on back to the main topic. Uh, if you take a look, for example, uh, at the Vikings offensive line, uh, I think they're currently ranked uh, both in the top five in both run blocking and pass blocking. And in case you think that pass blocking is a fluke, uh, they're also in the top five in ESPN's pass block win rate. Um, and so you look at some of the strengths of this team that have traditionally been weaknesses, like now the offensive line this year, which I think that Quasi Dofimensa and Kevin O'Connell uh, and offensive line coach uh, Cooper have done a great job of of fixing and, and growing uh, those players throughout the season. And that's without even you know, having Dalton Reisner potentially come in and, and help reinforce, um, you know, those positions. So Ed Ingram has been, you know, playing decently well. I think he scored a 61 in pass block rating and, and the sixties in run block rating. So he had a decent week um, again. Um, so you have the offensive line. That's a strength. Obviously have Justin Jefferson uh, doing really well. The running game has really turned on. I mentioned that run blocking grade, I think, you know, having Cam Akers come in and Alexander Madison having another good game. Um, so overall, if you look at it, the offense is fairly explosive. Uh, if you look at some of like the data surrounding, um, you know, the big playability, um, you know, throws over 20 yards, um, successful runs, you know, um, Point scored per drive when it doesn't end in a turnover. Uh, actually, Alec Lewis of the Athletic had a really good piece that came out this morning, highlighting you know the fact that the Vikings are are a dangerous team. Um, and when you compare that, I think uh, just adding on further, if you look at like their DO, DVOA scores, um, uh, Aaron Schatz uh, and the creator of that, I think the Vikings are ranked 14th in the NFL right now. So if you look at all these advanced metrics, if you look at where they are standing. Uh, it's a pretty potent and dangerous team. The The real issue so far, and it continues to be, you know, untimely turnovers, especially when uh, the team is in the red zone or driving on the other op- opposite end of the 50-yard line. Um, and you have to get to a point where, you know, you're right now in the season, you're 31st in turnover differential. Is that a feature or is that a bug? Uh, is it something that the Vikings can work out um, and start to limit those turnovers and really be able to, you know, play you know, close games with competitive teams, or is that something that's going to be a trend and continue? You know, last year, all those lucky bounce, those bounces, you know, fell right to the Vikings. And this year, I mean, we had a lucky bounce the other day when Harrison Smith had his strip sack and uh, the ball bounced right into DJ Wanham's hands. But, you know, if some of that is luck, some of that is just, you know, situational mastery. And last year we were so convinced that the Vikings, you know, had that situational mastery that, you know, looking at it this year, it just hasn't been as good uh, in those situations. Uh, and that's been the difference between winning games and losing games. And, you know, as we've seen over the last few years, whether it be with Mike Zimmer or definitely the, these last two years of Kevin O'Connell, uh, the Vikings play to the level of their competition, um, you know, for the most part. You know, they're always playing in close games. You know, they had that many one-score wins last year, and every game so far this year has been a one-score um, and so heading into, you know, this upcoming week against the Kansas City Chiefs, um, you might expect that the Vikings might be able to, to turn the ship and be competitive and get things rolling on offense. And we'll see what it comes down to at the end of the game. And you have, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes versus Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, I'll take Patrick Mahomes every single time. And so, you know, I think that, uh, 
you know, it's going to be difficult to overcome this week, but uh, it is looking like the Vikings are fielding a competitive roster. And if you look at that competitive rebuild, um, you know, they have a team that, you know, can compete with anyone, but it's just a matter of putting a complete game together, uh, which has been a problem, you know, for this team for any number of years. Um, so it would be nice uh, as a fan to see some consistent trends towards being able to, you know, get these things together. And really on offense, it comes down to having some level of offensive consistency. And this is going more to my eye test than any specific data, but you can just see that, you know, just for periods of the games, they have miscues. They can't get, you know, they have those three and outs, you know, they, they, they do things like, you know, Kirk Cousins threw the ball, you know, uh, deep and out of the play of field on a short third and two. And it's just those situations like that, that really end up stalling the drives and uh, stop the Vikings from, you know, competing at the highest level. So, um, you know, it's been really interesting, you know, vantage point to look at, you know, how this team is doing analytically relative to their outcome on the field. And I thought that this was a really interesting question uh, that was posed by a friend of the show, Eric Eager on Twitter of the weekend. Uh, it said, if you could take a, a team or take the 2022 Vikings and the 2023 uh, Vikings and play them straight up, who do you think would be favored to win that game? Um, and at the end of the 24-hour period, voting period, um, most of the people on Twitter said the 2022 Vikings. But in almost nearly every statistical category so far, besides for turnovers, uh, the 2023 Vikings are a better team. Um, and that's a kudos, I, I, I think, to... And I voted for 2023 Vikings. I, I don't think it would be particularly close, if I'm being honest. I think that the 2023 Vikings are a significantly better team than what we saw last year. And I, you have to give kudos. If you took a broader picture, think of all the players that we lost this year uh, are in the offseason. And then look at the players who replaced it with that. You know, I, It was kind of crazy to see the number of fans that were calling for uh, saying incredible things about Marcus Davenport that he didn't want to play and that he was just robbing the Vikings. And, and now after he had a good game, you can start to see the vision that Brian Flores, Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Dofamensa had for Marcus Davenport uh, in this defense and how pairing him with um, Daniel Hunter and, you know, really being able to attack without blitzing, you know, 80% of the time um, can really help and be effective. So you can start to see the vision coming together on that. And when you combine all these things about the moves of the players that you're getting rid of and the, uh, you know, players that you added, you know, take someone like Josh Oliver, who's currently ranked the number one tight end in all and PFF, uh, mostly do, I think he's the number one in, in receiving grade and he is the number two run blocker um and and the nfl which is really why they they signed him in the offseason they start to put these pieces together um you can really see you know the process shaking out and i'm really encouraged by the moves that uh this regime has made to move on from older players um and bring in young talented players who can come in and compete um and also could potentially have a future you know with this team i think they really you know built marcus davenport's contract um for, for him to be uh, extended after the season, uh, adding in that second void year. Um, Josh Oliver's already signed to uh, a three-year contract. Um, and so there are a lot of young pieces uh, that this team can build off of, um, but uh, there's also some tricky stuff heading towards the future. Um, and so uh, to that point, I did do a call out for, uh, you know, Twitter questions, and I encourage that every single week if you guys want me to talk about something specific or anything comes up, but... Um, Tanishka, 
who I'm sure many of you know on on Twitter for her hot takes. But uh, she comes in and uh, she asks, "Okay, so what's the future looking like over the next few weeks? Um, Because while we're one and three now, I mean, that's still not a really good position. And so um, if you're looking at, okay, what's the next four games before the trade deadline? Um, And so we have we take on the Chiefs at home. Then we go to Chicago, which is always a tough challenge for us, no matter you know how good that team is. Then we host the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. And then we're at Green Bay, uh, I think on October 29th, which is two days before the trade deadline on Halloween. Um, and so when you're if if you're to be honest and look at that, okay, going up against uh, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, who's going to be a real challenge for the entire offense line, and Taylor Swift um, between those four, um, it's going to be a tough sled for the Vikings to win that game. So I think it's everyone would assume that it's likely the Vikings uh, probably lose that one. So you're looking at one and four. They should be able to go and beat uh, the Bears with all the turmoil that they're they're facing. So you could jump up to two and four. I think San Francisco might be the most complete team in the NFL right now uh, and the biggest challenge. And so if you betting man, you'd be betting on a San Francisco 49ers to win. So that takes us to two and five. And then I think that game really rests on uh, what happens next really rests on, the, on what happens to the Green Bay Packers who have not looked impressive this year. But the difference between three and five and two and six, I think is pretty stark when it comes to, you know, this front office and where they want to go moving forward. I mean, if you're sitting there at two and six, um, you know, as, as the Minnesota Vikings, I think that the second half of the season is is has some opportunities for gains. But if you're going through it two and six, it's a very big uphill climb, and would it would be somewhat malpractice to hold on to some of your players who um, you know are performing well that could be uh, that might be leaving in free agency next year that you can get assets for in the draft, whether that be you know Daniel Hunter, uh, Jordan Hicks, uh, KJ Osborne is another one. Um, Harrison Smith, I know that's uh, awful of me to say, uh, but you know he might want to go to a team that actually has a chance to compete for the the Super Bowl. Uh, even someone like Ezra Cleveland, who you know um, has I thought has improved a little bit this year, but you know you have Dalton Reisner, you know sitting there on the bench who's played left guard his entire career, who can step in and see if you can get a late round pick for Ezra Cleveland. You'd have to consider that. And of course, there's Kirk Cousins. Um, I don't think that there's really any ch- chance that they're actually going to trade Kirk Cousins, especially with his no trade clause. But the conversation surrounding that, if the Vikings team is two and six, you know, are, are going to be significant. And so, you know, you really have to look at can this Vikings team steal, you know, a game or two, uh, a game between you know the Chiefs or the 49ers. Uh, to really, you know, right the ship and get closer to 500 before that trade deadline. Um, because if not, you know, we get there at three and five or two and six, there's going to be a lot of tough questions about the future of this team. And you also, you know, have to consider, you know, whether the Wilfs are be willing to tank or give up on trade assets, or if they're going to want to, you know, ride the 2023 season, you know, to its completion and just hold steady. Um It'll be really interesting to discuss over the next few weeks you know, as those things come up. But, you know, that's news of future conversations for now. You know, this Vikings team is focusing on this next game and see if you can't steal one from the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's where their mind should be. And the data suggests that they can be competitive. They just got to put a complete game together. So um, really excited uh, to continue these conversations. It's so fascinating. They're in a very interesting spot right now where they're a team that looks to be performing well, 
but that success just has not translated uh, to victories due to some turnovers. So um, I want to thank uh, our sponsors for today's episode. You know, that's Badass Wood Art, uh, Eastside Jiu-Jitsu, and especially Lake Monster Brewing. Uh, so tomorrow, uh, the crew is going to be at Lake Monster Brewing at 7 p.m. Central. Uh, I unfortunately will not be there because I live in Ohio, uh, but I will want to be there in spirit. And there's a rumor on the street that Miles uh, will be buying the first round for the first five people there. Um, so, you know, be there early, uh, get in, uh, be prepared to ask some questions, be prepared to hang out with, with the crew, um, and uh, they'll be excited to see you. So thanks again for joining me today. Uh, uh, please send some questions my way via Twitter to cover next episode. Always uh, looking forward to your thoughts and, and your feelings about uh, Minnesota Vikings. But uh, there's a lot to look forward to, whether it be on the field or off the field uh, moving forward. And I hope you'll join me uh, moving forward. Uh, so thanks so much, and I'll see you guys later. Oh, 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 oh,